It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside my partner, Mike Evans. Um, Scott the Huff producing the show. Mike, I mean, it's been a little while. I've been on the road, but uh, I apologize. But here we are. So week two in the books. Um, and, and you know what? The thing about that is not only the games. There's always the games to talk about, but there's always news. There's stuff going on right now that's incredible. We've hit this um, this situation around the league that I don't think we've ever hit before with all the trade stuff and all the things that are going down. Yeah, you got Minka Fitzpatrick gets dealt. Jalen Ramsey, does he want to or not want to be traded? And how about Steve Young coming out the other day on as part of ESPN's Monday Night Broadcast saying, hey, I'm seeing happening in the NFL what goes on in the NBA. The NBA has all the power. The players have all the power. You know that NFL players are insanely jealous of the NBA because of the guaranteed contracts and the money sure, that they make, but sure. also the power that they have to say, hey, I'm not happy here, or I'd rather be there. I'd rather be there playing with that friend of mine, and that's how we go and set up Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant or right. Kawhi Leonard and uh, Paul George. Are we starting to see kind of a shift when it comes to NFL players maybe trying to exert some of their own power? I think there's kind of this perfect storm scenario that's going on right now in the NFL, and you're 100% right. Like, in my day, nobody ever got traded. It just was, it just didn't happen. And now teams are more apt to trade players. And it's really interesting. So kind of the squeaky wheel gets the oil syndrome that we're in right now. You don't like where you're at. Complain about it. You know, go to the officials about it or go to your club about it. And, and wind your way out of town. And, and it was so funny because, you know, you look at um, you look at the Ramsey trade, right? You look at what's going on right now, the potential of him being traded. They say in Kansas City right now. But the bottom line is this. He came out and was adamant. Well, I didn't leak this news. Well, who the hell went out and said, we want to trade? Was it your camp? I know you didn't leak it, but you're the one that wants out. So what's the organization supposed to do? Keep it a secret for you? Like, are they supposed to say, okay, we understand right now that you're not happy. And maybe your coach yelled at you and you don't like that. And you can't handle that. So we'll keep your little secret and we'll try to work behind the scenes to work a trade for you. Right? Are we supposed like, because I don't want to look like the bad guy. I don't want to look like the guy who did something that I did. You asked for it. Your people asked for it. So all of a sudden, we're supposed to keep it a secret? Like, oh, the organization's supposed to, you know, to, to sweep your dirty little secret under the rug and hope, and, and so they look bad? No. They've got a franchise to run. They've got tickets to sell. They've got to sell to the to the to their constituents, if you will, their fan base, that we're trying to win, and you don't want to be here. So you're the one that wants out. You whined about it. They're going to grant you your wish. Here's the crazy thing that's happening right now. One, I think players are more empowered than they've ever been, right? They just are. And they don't want to fight through it with an organization that they look at like, hey, man, this could take three or four years. The average career lasts three or four years. I want mine now. So here I go. Let me get to New England. Let me get to Kansas City. Let me get somewhere where I can actually win and maybe win a championship. So players are pushing you know, that narrative, they're going out there, they're forcing these things with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and now Mika Fitzpatrick and, you know, and, and Jalen Ramsey. So these things are starting to happen. I think the other thing that's interesting, Mike, is 
We saw what Oakland did last year and the perception that what they did is working. So what they did, you remember when all of a sudden Khalil Mack during training camp got traded to the Chicago Bears? And like the two days later, John uh, John Gruden was like, hey, it's really hard to find pass rushers, you know? So anyhow, they get this load of picks for not only Khalil Mack, but they also get it for Amari Cooper, right? This load of picks. And what they've done overnight, seemingly, is they've gotten way younger, one. They look like they're a way more talented football team, two. And all those things, I think, are true. And three, they're managing their cap situation. They've paid their quarterback. Now they've got a bunch of young guys that don't cost them anything. And the other thing you're selling, you're selling the future. Hey, man, the future is bright, right? Hey, yeah, we're not going to be great right now, but look at all this young talent we've got. See, because what people believe, because they've been sold this bill of goods, is that the draft and draft capital is the most valuable thing in America. And it is from managing your cap. There's no question about that. But did you know, and I got this, somebody sent this to me, and I I, I never even checked to verify it, but you know, I believe it to be true because everything I read on Twitter is true, I think. It's gospel. So, yeah, it's pretty much gospel. But the whole thing, and this is somebody who sent it to me that I know that I have, I trust. 75% of every first rounder drafted, 75% of them do not sign a second contract with the team that drafted them. So you're telling me that 75% of the guys you take in the first round don't ever get to your second contract with that team, either because of injury, they can't play, they get shipped somewhere else, whatever the case may be. So why do we covet first-rounders so much? Why do we covet unknown commodities over known commodities, right? I would much rather have a player that I know. Trent Williams, right now, I mean, we live in Denver. We watch something every week. I don't say his name anymore, number 72. You can look it up. Every week we watch this turd just, I mean, he's got more tackles than anybody on our defense right now in Denver. We watch this guy do the same thing over and over and over and over again, and yet we covet our draft picks so much that we won't give a first-rounder up for Trent Williams, who's been to seven straight Pro Bowls and dispenses justice at the left tackle position. Like, that makes no sense to me. I would much rather have a known commodity and know that, hey, I'm going to get four really good years. He's 31. I'll get four really good years out of him. 75% of the guys get four years in the, that you draft in the first round anyhow, and then you ship their ass out of town. Like, what the hell's the difference? Well, but but draft picks, you know what they represent? They they represent hope, and they represent built-in patience. And if you're a, a coach, a general manager, mm-hmm. that buys you time. It's, it's, yeah, it's the ultimate kick the can down the, the road mm-hmm. strategy. I think it's one of the biggest cons in all of pro sports is the youth movement. Because what the youth movement is, yeah, some work out, some bear fruit. Most right. of them don't. Vast majority of them don't. But right. it buys franchises time. It's like Jim Croce. It's I built save, in job security. If I could save time in a bottle. Yeah, that's right. First thing I do is take a bunch of first round draft choices because <laughs> you right. would be. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, youth movement to me, when I hear youth movement, I think bowel movement. Yeah. Like, I like, hey, we're having uh, 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 youth movement, you know, and just hang tight. 
Everything's going to be okay. And the fans have been the fans have been duped in. Look what a cottage industry the draft is, right? I mean, shoot, we move it from city to city now, right? A million people come out to watch the draft. I mean, it's incredible. And you're 100% right. Occasionally, it works out. But more often than not, based on the numbers, it doesn't. I mean, it, it, it just flat doesn't. And so, you know, I, again, I believe in players. I believe in if you've got a great commodity, that's the guy you pay, and you move down the road with that guy, and you try to build around that particular player. Well, the Giants have gone down that road now. I mean, mm-hmm. they've now flipped over to the future, the future, the future. Right. Eli Manning benched. Daniel Jones takes over. Now it's all about Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. Right. Let These are the two future cornerstones. Now let's go out and watch this kid play. And no matter how bad he may look, and he'll probably look bad. He's a rookie, right? Right. Guess what you can do? As a team, as a fan base, mm-hmm. you say, hey, come on, don't put too much into what just went down. Don't right. pay no attention to those two interceptions. He's young. Right. He's got to develop. You know, I see He's a learning lo- on the job. Right. I see a lot of like people want to make similarities or, or comparisons to like Kansas City. Hey, worked in Kansas City, right? You know, we got the mentor, the older quarterback, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, one was a playoff team. And remember, Patrick Mahomes didn't play his rookie year. It was Alex Smith who played. Alex Smith who mentored him. And they were a playoff roster with Alex Smith. Now, Alex Smith is a really smart guy, and he's a very good quarterback. Um, And I hope someday he makes it back, or at least I hope, you know, he gets his health back from that broken leg, that vicious broken leg he suffered last year with the Redskins. But the bottom line, completely different scenario here. You're talking about a Giants team that, Absolutely sucks. Do you know in the first two games, Mike, that the New York Giants have given up drives of 70 yards or more on defense nine times? Nine times. Nine times. That's not a righteous defense. No, it is not a righteous defense. That They're awful. So what you're, what you're selling your fan base now and what you're doing is buying yourself time as a general manager and coaching staff is, hey, we're not very good. But at least when we are good and we put the pieces in place, because we're working on it right now, we've got some young guys who are going to be good players once they figure it out. Daniel Jones will have all this baptism by fire to lean on. And, you know, a year from now or two years from now, we're going to be competing for the NFC East title. And so, again, because it's not like Eli Manning's playing bad football. Like your average, in the NFL, you're trying to get, like if you get, Usually the goal chart is one drive of 60-plus yards for a score. I'm not talking about a touchdown. I'm just saying a score. Can you drive at 60-plus yards for a score? They've given up nine drives of 70-plus yards for scores in two games. I mean, that is historic bad defense. It's as bad as you can get. And so, I mean, I understand they're not going anywhere. And, you know, this whole experiment with Dave Gettleman, their general manager, said, hey, we may sit him for three years <laughs> or two games, one or the other. Right? I mean, it's like what they did with Blake Bortles. Remember how that worked out? Hey, this guy's going to sit his rookie year, three or four games into it, he's starting, and, you know, he's backing up in the, with the Rams now. The good news is, though, is that there there has been a shift in that when you draft these young quarterbacks, it does buy 
you a certain amount of time and patience. Sure. But it's not like it used to be. It used to be when you had a young quarterback, hey, it's a five-year plan type thing, remember? Now these quarterbacks, these young quarterbacks, pretty much have to show within two years that the arrow's going in a certain direction. Yeah. You really have about a two-year window to show that, okay, we're, we're on to something right. here. Otherwise, teams, I, I think after two years, start to look at it and think, hey, we've got to reassess what we're doing here. Because think about what is sold, the idea behind drafting a quarterback in the first round. You get that fifth-year option. Right. Come on. If a quarterback is worth his salt, he's going to be extended long before he gets to year five. Look at Wentz. Look at Goff. Yeah. Um, and look at the quarterbacks who have gone to that fifth year. Who is it? Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, two quarterbacks who, where the teams right now are like, we think we know these guys aren't the answer. Right. They probably aren't, but, hey, we got them one more year. Let's hope that maybe, just maybe, something will click. Yeah. Even though that, deep down we know it probably won't. Yeah, that the quarterback gods actually sprinkle some magic fairy dust on them and all of a sudden they can play. It just is not going to happen. You know, it's, it's, you're right. They've got it figured out. That if you get the fifth year option, you know what the fifth year option means? We know you're not good, but we don't have a better option. Right. That's all that means. And so now we're in the quarterback market. Do we decide to wait for free agency and, and see if there's a guy that, um, you know, as it, at the end of his career that maybe we can get for, ne- for next to nothing, you know, um, like the Broncos did with Joe Flacco? Or, you know, do we go young? Do we go young in the draft and, and you know, roll the dice on, on that crapshoot that is, you know, come on. I mean, Josh Rosen, hey, the most accomplished quarterback. Like, this is the most pro-ready. All I heard from draft Knicks, most pro-ready quarterback in football, Josh Rosen. He's on a second team, and, like, Nobody's nobody believes and 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 they're quote unquote tanking for Tua in Miami, right? So come on, I mean that's just the way it is. One thing we've always talked about, you and I, is and and I I just don't get it. I don't understand why teams that have legitimate championship aspirations leave themselves so thin at the backup quarterback position. And take what happened this past week. You got two teams, definitely the Saints, mm-hmm. and and Pittsburgh. You know the 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 start for Pittsburgh's been disappointing. But there's still a belief that that Pittsburgh is 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 a good team, but yet they're both now turning to backup quarterbacks. And can their seasons be salvaged right. with Mason Rudolph in Pittsburgh and Teddy Bridgewater slash Taysom Hill in New Orleans? Interesting. I mean, I, I think it's really interesting. I think they, I think obviously both teams like their backup situation. We don't know anything about Rudolph because, you know, Big Ben is the only one that plays there. So he's going to get his opportunity. Teddy Bridgewater is a great story after just tearing up, almost losing his leg on an ACL injury, right? It was torn so poorly, and I think he tore, a, you know, an artery or something else. I mean, it was a mess. And um, I've been told by people on the inside that know that there was not once but twice they were, like, minutes away from amputating his leg like that's how bad that that was um at least that's kind of the story I got like that was there was hard line decisions very much like Alex Smith where the same type of thing was going on they were minutes away or hours away from deciding to amputate and, and minutes may be an exaggeration but you know what I'm saying it was very serious so 
I'm glad that he's going to get his opportunity. I don't know that they almost wouldn't rather go with Taysom Hill, and I think Taysom Hill is going to get a lot more run. I mean, they move Breeze out to play receiver to bring Taysom Hill in in situations. So there may be a lot more run there. I just feel like New Orleans has a better opportunity to weather that storm than does Pittsburgh. Like, based upon the division with which they play, where Tampa and Carolina are both garbage, obviously Atlanta was pretty good the other night against Philly, but I just think that that, for me, that feels like they've got a better opportunity to win in New Orleans and weather that storm with that combination of Teddy Bridgewater and and Taysom Hill. The... um... I'm always interested because you get a, you have unique perspective getting a chance to call games for Fox. Yeah, and uh, it, it's it's cool. You get to go around the league. You get to talk to all kinds of coaches, front office types, players. I think you you really get a chance to get a real firm handle on you know what's going on in the NFL, right? right? So you just did Chicago, Denver. Mm-hmm. Takeaways from. The whole week, the buildup, the game itself, yeah, the I broadcast. Mean, uh, I, mean, I guess my first big question is because something that happened that I, I think has an impact around the rest of the league was that uh, roughing the passer call against Bradley Chubb on the final drive that Chicago ended up kicking right. the game winning yeah. field goal that is very controversial here in Denver. Plenty of people walking around believing that cost the Broncos. Sure, the game. sure. Uh, and and not only that, Peter King and his Monday morning quarterback wrote about the call and yeah. about, you know, about that call, the roughing the passer, but what I said, and one of the things I said, and I can't remember exactly what I said, but he said, I talked to him, I, I, I talked to him on Monday, Peter, and he said, the disdain in your voice for the way that that play was called, he goes, was epic. But I had said, if you're going to legislate contact out of a contact sport, like this, this sport's going to die. Like there's a gladiator nature to this that we love, and like I keep thinking, are we hiring officials that just really know the rule book but have never really witnessed football that don't really understand the game? Because I'd like to think, Mike, that I can discern the difference between malicious intent and a tackle. Like if I hit a quarterback and I wrap him up and bear hug him and then pick him up and drive his ass into the ground, I think that almost, I think 100% of the time are pretty close to it, I can look at that and go, yeah, that's a penalty. But I also think that if a quarterback just gets hit because he plays football, I think I can discern the difference between malicious intent and driving that guy's ass into the ground and just trying to hit a guy. And uh, the Chicago Bears, you know, everybody complains here in Denver, but Chicago had two of those things. Two times that happened to them. Yeah. One was on a on a um, Lloyd tackle yep. that was um, it was ridiculous. I mean, it was just a tackle on Noah Fant, a tight end, not even a quarterback, and he got called for that. And I'm like, you know, Leonard Floyd is uh, you got to be kidding me, right? And the other was an Eddie Goldman hit on the quarterback that was, I mean, it was asinine. Yep. And so this is something the NFL has got to look. We have got to get officials that actually understand football. Yeah, but let me stop you right there. You're okay. putting this on the officials, but understand that these officials, every time they're out there and they're watching one of these kind of plays, what is in the back of their mind? Oh, sure. What has been drilled and repeated 
into their protect our franchise quarterbacks. Absolutely, it comes from the league. Yeah, it comes from Al Riveron. It comes from Dean Blandino types. Protect the quarterback. Protect the quarterback. Err on the side of caution. Err on the side of protecting the quarterback. So you could say all you want. These officials need to be able to discern. Come on, that was right. that wasn't malicious. Here, but in their mind, right. all they're hearing is protect the quarterback. Protect the quarterback. Protect the quarterback. So. I'm 100% with you. They hear it all the time, and it's that's a league thing. And the league, you know, wants to have its cake and eat it too, right? I mean, that's they, they talk out of both sides of their mouth. I've always thought this, and I've said this for years. I wish we would just as a league embrace it. Embrace the fact that it's a, a sport that is played by men who have a screw loose and have been touched by the hand of God athletically. And most of you can't play it. And instead of letting the nation dictate the narrative of, oh, my goodness, you know, we've got to protect our play. I'm all for safety and all for protecting guys, but there's a 100% likelihood that you're going to get hurt. If you play this game, you are going to get hurt. And, and I want it to be as safe as it can, but it's not safe in any way, shape, or form. And that's why, you know, I, I always love the guy that stops you in the airport and says, yeah, you know, they – Told me I'd have gone pro if it wasn't for this knee. No, you wouldn't have because you're a pussy. Like, that's what I want to say. You wouldn't have made it. I'm just telling you, you wouldn't have. So I can see you saying that, actually. Yeah. So I, I just, you know, I, I get, Dude, dude, stop. Stop. You're a pussy. Right, right. Now go catch your flight. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, you got a flight to catch and another cheeseburger to eat. All right, you wouldn't have made it, so let go of that. Let go of that pipe dream. We all like to get trapped in the halcyon days of our youth, right? Like, that's right. man, I was a real ass kicker. Yeah, that's right. A lot of Al Bundy's walking around yeah, there. Yeah, in the seventh grade, that one play I made that one time with a Nerf ball. <laughs> man, said I was going pro. Could have been big. If it wasn't for this trick knee. <laughs> trick knee. Um, yeah, so... I, 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 you know, so I, I just want the NFL to embrace what we are, and we're making it as safe as we can. But it's it's never going to be safe, and we just let people who have an agenda against the game, right? We let them create a narrative, and then we're so scared, like, oh, we better, you know, it's safer than it's ever been, and ooh, look, and we really care, and no oh, head trauma, and. I'm like, I just wanted you to go. Hey, fuck you guys. We're the NFL, and we whip ass. Yeah, but I don't. I, but I think you're you're talking about two different arguments here. When it comes oh, to oh wait, I meant to say, it, hey, screw you guys. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. That's right, I do. But when it comes, but when it comes to when it comes to trying to advance the idea that NFL football is safe, you're right. I completely agree with you. They're they're trying to appease people, but. When it comes to this special treatment of the quarterbacks, that that's that's from the league, that's from oh, that's, the owners, that's, that's from the teams. Yeah. That's not but that's, that's but, not outside okay. influences. That's no. inside saying, "Hey, these are our money tickets. These are our, you know, these, these are our right. franchises. We have to protect them no matter what." Especially in a time in which you yourself have said. Offensive line play has never been as bad right. as it is in this league. But so here, if you combine cr- everything, yeah. then you're going to put these guys in bubble wrap, and any hit on them is going to result in a flag. But here's it, and this is the crazy thing: it's it's this self fulfilling prophecy because what they've done is, excuse me, they put so much value on the quarterback yeah. position, and what they've ended up doing is they take average guys and pay them thirty million dollars a year, right? And then they're like, oh, shit, we better protect Mm -hmm. our $30 million a year investment, even though the guy can't play. And so 
what you've done is you've created this pay structure in which now I have to protect a guy and he might not even be able to play as opposed to, hey, you know, like if you look at the general pay scale of how things have gone, you know, and they've gone up as as the cap has gone up, but I'm sure – you look at what quarterbacks used to get paid compared to the rest of the team compared to what quarterbacks now get paid. I mean, I'm sure it's gone up exponentially from a percentage standpoint, but you've created this, this thing yourself and you can't help yourself. I mean, owners cannot help themselves. They, 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 you know, they covet the players and they covet the quarterback and they overpay. I mean, they're, they're talking about, Listen, everybody's like Dak Prescott. You can't pay Dak Prescott thirty million dollars a year. Are you kidding me? Great. And then I'm watching Carson Wentz play, and you paid him thirty-four million dollars. Well, shit, damn right you're paying D- Dak Prescott. You pay him forty uh, million I, a year. If I'm right? Dak, I don't take a dime less. Right, especially the start he's off to. Yeah. So I mean, it just is the the whole thing. Um, is it just spiraled out of control? And I don't know. I don't know. That there's at this point, you've gone down this this slippery slope. It's not like you can reel it back in. I don't think. You, you like a little historical stuff, right? Sure. A little historical perspective. This is the perfect way to lead into our moneymaker picks, which are back for another year. Okay. We've, we've missed the first two weeks. I'm going to let you go first because you eked out, I think, by like a game or two last year. You beat me. Sure, I did. Of course I did. Barely. I think, mm-hmm. I think a tie. Honest to God, I think a tie early on in the season ended up being the difference for you. So okay. don't, don't sleep on those ties. For the first time since 1987 – Quick, what was happening in the NFL in 1987? Uh, strike year. Strike year. Right. For the first time since 1987, there will be two teams favored by 20-plus points. The Cowboys are a 21-and-a-half-point favorite over Miami. New England is a 22-and-a-half-point favorite over the Jets. First time since 1987. That is crazy. So... Um, the Dolphins with their replacement players and uh, the Jets, well, I think still have a decent defense, but you know their quarterback situation mm-hmm. is is, Pathetic. is is dreadful. So I'll let you go first. Okay, uh, three picks. Right. Go ahead. In honor your of your moneymaker picks. In honor of the statistics that you have just thrown my way, because why wouldn't I? I think you're going to take both of them, aren't because you? Because I've got I'm ballsy. You got balls. You I got am big ballsy. balls. Like, I just need a big pair of Wrangler jeans. You're all balls in them jeans. 100% balls, guys. 100% (laughs) hoo-hahs. So, my hoo-ha picks of the week. (laughs) I'm taking the Cowboys. I'm giving the 21.5 points over the Miami Dolphins, who have rolled over. And I'm taking the Patriots. Good for you. I'm taking the Patriots. 22.5 over the Jets. I will take the Patriots. That's awesome. That is where I'm going. And then my third and final moneymaker pick. Um, I'm going to take the Rams on the road over the Browns. Son of a. Minus three. Mostly just because I'm rooting for the Browns to, to just crumble. You want them humbled. I do. I just feel like it's all commercials and it's all, you know, and, and, you know, come on. You beat at home or on the road, you beat a Jets team that is, you know, you were counting on the Simasiah, Trevor Simeon, who, like, how that guy is, like, made of peanut brittle. Like, He's one, also played through, played behind yeah, some but, crap offensive oh, there's lines. No, there's no question. 
But you know how some guys have the ability to dodge contact, you know, even if they get hit, it's not they never seem to get really like get hit hard. Dude, that dude is <laughs> like a crash test dummy. <laughs> it's true. Like they should like his next job, he should work for one of the, you know, like the General Motors and they just strap him up in the car and say, "Hey Trevor, good luck. We hope you don't die." And then just push the button. <laughs> like that's that's Trevor Simeon. So um, he had the horrible ankle injury. Trevor, I hope you get well. But by the way, Trevor, glorious mullet, and I mean that glorious, it was glorious, glorious. Man. All right, I uh, I'm so good for you. Because if you hadn't done it, I was going to do it. I was going to take Dallas and New England. Yeah, I was. I like so it. So good for you. Go opposite. Go oppo. No, because yeah, I like I like the picks. Because he doesn't have balls. I don't have balls like you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's where I'll go. I'm going to take uh, Indy minus two okay. over Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlanta just, they looked good at home the other day, but on the road, I don't trust them. Okay. All right. All so right. give me Indy. Uh, Jacoby Brissett's not yeah, looking oh, yeah. too bad, right? Give me uh, Seattle. At home. That was one of my other Minus ones. Minus four. I like them. I mean. O- over New Orleans, right? I mean, right? New Orleans is a good, very good football team, but come on. The uncertainty of quarterback that they're dealing with right now, I'll take I'll take Seattle at home. And I, I, I'm not ready to bury this team just yet. I still think they have pride. I think they have culture. I actually kind of like Mason Rudolph a lot. I'm going to take Pittsburgh plus the six and a half at San Francisco against the Garoppolo's. Really? I think, I think San Francisco. It's a circle the wagon I think San Francisco is a lot better team than you're probably giving them credit. I'm not saying they don't win. I'm just saying I'm going to take Pittsburgh to to show a lot of pride this week. All right. Give me. Hey, listen, you can change. Your I'm going to go. This is the U two game then. U two game. U two game. Pride. Pride. In the name of love. Pride in the name of pigskin. All right. So I there like you it. Go. Our uh, moneymaker, moneymaker picks. picks. Week uh, week three of the NFL, but week which is one week for us. one for us. Yeah. Week one for us. Week three in the NFL. All right. There you go. For everybody involved in the Stinking Truth podcast, we appreciate you listening. We'll be back with you next week for a couple of podcasts. This week only one because I'm too damn busy. <laughs> that is it here from uh, from Denver, Colorado. Thank you so much for listening, and we will uh, be back with you next week.